This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode does not contain spoilers, but there is a brief character mention from the Infernal Devices. There's also conversations surrounding general trauma and violence. And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing The Stolen Air by Holly Black. And we are recording this after the holidays, right after the release. And uh, Jess and I had lots of time with family over the holidays. So Jess, I want to start this out by saying... Why do men, old men, make it everyone's problem when they are bored? What the hell? Like, Oak even says it. Like, Matic, this is all your fault. All you had to do is fucking chill and none of this would have happened. Like, why is it old men? This comes back to you. Yes. Old men. Men. Well, then he also says he was like, or, or maybe it was even Ren where she goes, old, you're like the old guy with bad advice. And he was, he goes, just because I'm old doesn't mean the advice is bad. <laughs> it's just like Maddox, my guy. And then Oak goes on to the whole thing about how like he worked in a, in a slaughterhouse for blood and he got everybody in his like HOA in the apartment. Like, I feel like you. <laughs> Manifested that because in one of our episodes with specifically related to the cruel prince, I think it was our Queen of Nothing episode and how the King of Alfheim learned to hate stories. You even said, I want to know what Maddox has been doing this whole time or what he's going to be doing in his exile because I would love to see that. Could you imagine Maddox trying to like look at this pizza and they mentioned pizza here and then you found out he's just doing like HOA wars? <laughs> Go, Lord, got her wish. Getting old ladies to stab people in the neck. Like, <laughs> Matic. You got your wish. But, like, honestly. You weren't specific enough. Honestly, if Matic had just chilled, just <laughs> chilled, then this, this half of this story wouldn't have happened. And we could have just, you know, had, had Lady Nor and everything going on without, you know, Oak having to go get Maddox because nobody else wants to fucking deal with it because it's bad politics. Like, welcome to the stolen air. <laughs> <laughs> I have successfully read this through audio three times now. Um, the first time, very jarring, didn't know what to feel. Mm, didn't love it. The second time, much warmer, really got the story and figured out the story. The third time, sucked back into fairy, uh, really loving the beautiful nightmare that Holly Black creates when we explore fairy, really loving it. Appreciated the ending a lot more. I was able to read this twice 
And we'll discuss like both of the ways that we've read it throughout this episode. But I will say, I do not know how your brain is not mush because you usually do this twice. You know, you at least read the books that we discussed twice, if not more. The fact that you did it three times today, I was like, oh my gosh, like my head, like in a good way though, because I loved, I really enjoyed the book. I knew I was going to need a second, at least a second read. And um, because from when we started The Cruel Prince, it, the first time I read it, I was like, okay. And then uh, The Wicked King, I said, okay. Then The Queen of Nothing sucked me in and I reread it all over again, having the context that I did. And it was so much, I was so able to enjoy it more. So that second time I was able to read this, I knew where it was going, but I wanted a better grasp at it. Yes. Uh, Ocus 17. Oh my God. Ocus 17. I was, I knew, right? Like we knew. Holly told us there's there's a little bit of fan art out there that Oka's going to be older. It's like a whole situation with him and Soren. But like, Oka seventeen is 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 like very similar to Carden at seventeen, and it was just like not something that I was prepared for the the first read. I was like, my baby, my baby's grown up. <laughs> well, and think about when we did the audio when he, when. When Oak crowns, because I just did a re- uh, finished a reread of the Cruel Prince recently, and he sounds so young when he's crowning Cardin. So here we are now that he's seventeen. You're like, whoa, jarring jump scare. Um, but then I think you had to finagle that, and you, they say it throughout the book. They go, oh, that you know he is Locke's half brother, but he was also raised by his sisters who were also, and he acknowledges. He goes, look, I was raised by Vivi and her girlfriend. I was also raised by Maddox and Jude and have this crazy, like, super connected family. I recognize the exposure and my privilege in a way, but has also taken a lot of that onto himself to realize to, to at one point, like, t- to be a martyr. He goes, take even to take the hit away from the bigger powers that be and is constantly being attacked and trying to attention from the enemies so he's the prime focus as opposed to others oh oak has issues okay so oak needs therapy poor kid well poor that goes kid. Con- that's consistent with every every book fantasy world that we're in needs an on-call therapist because so does ren she has so much trauma um do we want to do we want to go into the characters first and then we can just kind of dive more into it absolutely who are these people all right. So we have, like we said, we have Oak who's returning. We have Seren, also known as Ren. Um, you might recall her from the Queen of Nothing. She was eight. Now she's 18. She's been going through some shit since we last saw her. And we get a lot of flashbacks in this book. You have Bogdana. Bogdana she's a storm hag and she's working with Lady Nor, but we will kind of explore that more into what capacity. You have Lord Jarrell and Lady Nor, Hyacinth, Maddox is back. You have Tiernan, Queen Annette, Gwen, who's a human girl that Ren helps. Um, and then Mab. And then of course you have mentioned, there's mentions of these characters, but they're not physically here. Um, you have Orla, Nikasia, Cardin, Jude, Taryn and Locke, Vivi, the Roach, and the Bomb. Yes. Oh, I really love the mention of the roach and the bomb uh, and the little like lessons that they taught Oak just kind of like sprinkled throughout. Jess, when we started talking about this before we started recording, uh, I told you that I am very much interested, having read this book, about 
Oak growing up, like his formative years leading up to this, I want to know about these assassination attempts. I want to know about these ex-girlfriends. I want to know (laughs) how he got, like, who he is and, like, how he got to be who he is with these. Because I think there's, like, two specifically flashbacks that um, he has with Ren. But I want to know all of that. But I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know I wanted this until I see Oak now at 17 with a little bit of a swagger with, like, a scar on his neck having survived all of these assassination attempts and like he says he falls in love very easily and he's cursed to love cruel women like i love that she's like oh you do have a you have an affinity towards us cruel women i love that she calls him out on it i feel like seren is kind of like the first challenge that oak has had he's so quick to fall in love but he's had like he had Lara or Loana, who is the mermaid, she's like, she didn't want me, but she didn't want me to be with anybody else either. He's this other girl who, like, he wrote po- bad poetry for specifically. He even tells, like, tells Ren, he goes, Oh, I was, I, I couldn't eat more than toast for a month after you left. Like, so heartbroken. That boy was pining for that girl at 10 years old. He just, and then he, they talk about somebody specifically recently. He, he's, and, who has like Violet I think her name is then he's dancing with like a deer shifter and wooing her on the dance floor you know it sounds like I probably would have been wooed by Oak too at some point I think so and there is some fan art that's out there and Oak is very handsome he's he's a handsome boy but he is 17 and he is in our sweet boy Carden which there are a lot of disclaimers that are out there about this book saying that like Jude and Carden are not the mains here. This is not their book. So I know that people had, like, expectations, right? But, like, this Mm. is very solely, like, Soren and Oak with gossip and, like, little crumbs of Jude and Carden, which are just so delicious. And I feel like Holly did a good job, at least from my perspective, did a really good job in in her marketing team to set this book up for that focus of Oak and Ren, because I think even at the end of Queen of Nothing, there, there's, a, of course, you have an epilogue of life after, you know, Cardin and Jude are having pizza, they're celebrating, you kind of have those questions. But I feel like the marketing campaign really focused on that this was going to be an Oak story now that he's older. But after finishing this book, I feel like we'll transition into, and the whole gang's back. <laughs> like, oh, because yeah. there's no, I mean, the last chapter, I mean, this is going to be full of spoilers. They even said, Jude won't do shit for Maddox, but she's going to bring an entire army to get her little brother back. Oh, absolutely. And of course, we can't wait to see it because we love Jude so much. Uh, let's, let's just start going through this book, huh? Uh, we open with a changeling poem. Very fun. We know that Holly likes to do that. Uh, and then we have our like prologue before we get to chapter one. And we have right away, right away that Ren was found as a toddler and she was thin, almost like she was made of sticks. Right away. We've got it right there. And she that description of uh, twig like or made of sticks is used throughout the book to describe Ren. She even she says it or people say it about her. And I found that very interesting and very fun. Did you pick that up immediately? Uh, the second time. Okay. The, the, yeah, the, the second read through. Because the, the first time, 
the first reread or the first read, the initial read. Yeah. Uh, you have to readjust if you've been out of Holly Black's world for a little bit to the language of fairy, right? Uh, so these descriptions of how Ren was found, you know, and what she looked like and what her skin looked like. And she, you know, she could play outside for a long time and she was never cold and everything had like a bluish tint. Her lips were like kind of purple. Um, those things, and she was strong, but she was thin like sticks. Uh, those things, my initial read were like, oh, these are the common descriptors of this world of fairy. It was not to me like, oh, this is going to be a little, little, little plot sprinkle for you. This like stick situation, uh, but very fun the second time. These descriptions tell us about uh, Ren and her very early life to get us to be like very sympathetic with her. Um, that because when Ren is taken at nine, she's like, that's when the monsters came. It's because I knew I'd been wicked. It was just like, oh, oh, okay, we're going, we're going right to an abduction. Okay, cool. Uh, with Lady Nor and Gerald. And that whole scene is in its way slightly reminiscent of when Maddox takes Jude and Taryn. Because it's, it's a very traumatic scene. I mean, your heart breaks for her, especially, I mean, everything. she's She grew up with this family because I remember reading it and the first time and I'm thinking, wait, who is this family? I don't, like, I thought that she kind of was the queen of the Court of Teeth because she had the bridal taken off. But you get through the flashbacks and obviously kind of like this prologue in chapter one that she's now living with a human family. And then you start piecing together. Somehow she made it to the human realm and then, of course, is taken away from the human. Like you find out kind of the back and forth of it all. Yes. Yes. And the the uh, Lady Noor and her husband unglamoring Ren and like ripping off that glamour and like so she's blue she's finally her blue self uh, and her parents kicking at her she says like her her dad like kicked her in the face her sister Rebecca like Bex was screaming her mom was like I don't know you like this is our only daughter um, very jarring and really really puts us in to like Ren's mindset um, and then she she goes she goes off obviously because her parents were screaming at her to leave and, um, you know, when the fairies come to take you, there's not a lot that you can do, especially when you're nine, because she was nine when she's taken. And then um, two years later, she pops back out after the Battle of the Snake. And, you know, we get kind of there's there's a few flashbacks. We get that. Um, but then we have we start here with chapter one, where it's our present day with Ren and we have here her sister Bex is putting out milk and, you know, we can go full circle and like Bex knows that Ren is out there and she knows that she's not human and she's putting out milk is just kind of like a like something to do. And now that we've read to the end of the book, we know that from what we were getting in the beginning where they're like, you're not our daughter. She was believe she thought that they had magic over them to forget who she was to forget and then you come to find out she goes you lived with us for so, like for years you were our my sister you were our daughter like we wouldn't just forget that she goes you know and again trauma for ren because she goes but you were 
how was I supposed to know? And, you know, and of course, through the flashbacks and through Ren sitting in her feelings, she goes, look, I recognize that in hindsight, like, they never, they were, they were, they were glamored. They were conditioned. Magic was involved, but that doesn't take away, which I also thought this was important that just because this stuff happened and I recognize how and the why of it all, it doesn't take away the pain and the emotions that have caused and led up to where she is now. Yeah. Because she is Ren, uh, has nowhere to go. Uh, she is out of fairy. It's been years. She's trying to be like, have a purpose, right? She's breaking uh, the Glastig's wishes in the cemetery. She's like trying to do good, just trying to like stick it to fairy a little bit because she can unravel enchantments, you know, all of that. Um, But she goes back to her family's house and she's like, she says she's kind of a brownie. Sometimes she gets there and like switches the clothes to the washer and the dryer. And sometimes she shreds the sheets because she's so mad and she can't like contain the feelings that she has, but she's so conflicted. And we get that because she does call uh, a couple times throughout the book, just trying to like touch base and like warn her. She calls them the unfamily. And I find that very interesting because she says that that unfamily is her last connection to like, her humanity. And at the end of this book, she has warned them to be safe, but like she's very, very far from humanity at the end of this book where she has, um, Oak bridled in the dungeons. Like, and she likes hearing her, him scream her name. So it's, it's a very kind of arc we have here. Yeah, but I also think like like that last line where she goes, and honestly, it's really sad because she, he knew for her, she was like, he knew the whole time. He pulled the wool over my eyes. I trusted him. No wonder he wasn't lying because when he said he had the heart, he knew I was the heart and he didn't. He was all up on my shit to say, why am I not? Why am I so secretive? What if we just trusted each other? Da, 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 da. And then she goes, and then you fucking do this. Now, I don't, I don't, she has a right to be upset. Everybody has fucked her over and she's pissed. Yes. Yes. And, and, and she doesn't even know. She doesn't know what she doesn't know. Right. At, at, at this point and even like later on. Um, at this point, when we have her here, uh, we know that Bogdana keeps an eye on Ren. Throughout her entire life, we know, because we finished the book, that that is her mother. Like, Bodonna is her mother. So she has been watching Ren, her daughter, almost her entire life um, in the human world. And when she would get too close to people and, like, try to make friends and stuff, like, Bogdana would come and, like, hang pelts and, be and like, warn her off. And, like, don't do this. Uh, a very twisted fairy way to show affection, if there ever was one. Um, but knowing that... Like, Bogdana knows the whole time. She knows all of it, obviously. Um, it is kind of sweet that um, Bogdana does kind of keep an eye on her her whole life, even if it is weird, but it is a fairy situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's it, it's almost it's like when you hear like about estranged parents or siblings who keep track of them like if they ever came around this case she did like oh you know i never stopped loving you i never stopped looking out for you and caring for you so yeah it, it's fun so uh, up at this point bogdana has popped in and out of ren's life and she is 18 now 
And Bogdana has kind of cornered Ren. And she's like, hey, what's up? We need to talk. What's going on? We have a situation we need to talk about. And Oak pops up. And Oak is like, hey, I'm here too. Uh, with Tiernan because there is an owl-faced hob that spotted Ren in the cemetery. And that hob um, is what? Ditch that works for uh, Tiernan. So we have our big reveal now of Prince Oak, right? Coming in to save the day, scaring off Bogdana. And Ren does not recognize him because he is, you know, dressed to the nines, probably hot as hell. Um, and she scratches the shit out of his cheek. Well, it was also a little bit dark. So she was yeah, that's like, true. That's true. She, she was just like in the middle of the night because then she was like, when he got a li- little light on his, she recognized him Im- immediately. She was like, shit, I just like shit. fucked up the Prince of Hell. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, She says like she last saw him when she was 13 and like she kind of looks like hell now and she's like very aware of it. And um, she's like, well, damn, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Um, So they basically tie her up and they're like, hey, we also need to talk to you. Um, Let's go to a dingy rundown house. And they do. And um, there's a there's a ramen they're making ramen. Uh, I love it. I love this. These little these little. like nods that Holly does, like uh, in I believe how the uh, King of Elfame learned to hate stories. Uh, mm-hmm. they are, they're talking about like Yuri on Ice, all, all of that stuff. So I like when Holly does do that. But you know they're making ramen and tea. It's, it's, it's very fun. It's very fun. Uh, Hyacinth is introduced to us in this house. Hyacinth, Hyacinth is wearing the bridal. And we know the bridal from Queen of Nothing. That was yeah. it's good because it's this is it it's the same bridal, not it's like the a same rep- one right, that she has. That she even says like she still kind of has the char- the the scars on her face from them. Yeah, and so Hyacinth is like half bird, half man, Birdman, and he's in the bridal, and it's very jarring for Ren. And this is when we get Oak saying what he says right we we get the quest right this is a quest story we get our quest and the quest is yeah which i feel like that's why a a reread is essential for this because that's how you get like we've said it it gives you a grasp but you're like okay i'm on an adventure once you know that it's a quest you're it's not going to be like this is just the beginning yes yes and what is the quest the quest is uh, Lady Noor has stolen something and has made a new court in a new court of teeth up in the north. Um, and Mab's bones have been stolen and Mab's bones have the power to bring things back to life. Ren, can you please come with us? Elfheim needs you, um, because you have the power. I'm saying this cheekily to command, uh, Lady Noor. So you'll be like, super helpful to us like let's let's go let's go and that is all he tells her and she's like yeah cool i I, (laughs) she's like you know what i i i got nothing else going for me you know like you know what bet i hate her like let's let's do this i probably should have done this a while ago there's a little bit more back and forth but that's basically what it like boils down to she's like yeah like i really like oak I don't really trust him, but like, you know, I'm in trouble here. It's not going to get any worse. I'm just going to go do this thing. So I, re- I, re- I do really like that. We have a flashback here of the uh, Fox games that they played when they were nine and 10. And that uh, little flashback is where we get the favor 
that Ren has and kind of like holds over Oak uh, this whole book um, because they have the little foxes. And I love that she like kept the fox and like kept it with her this whole time and only uh, loses it when she gives it to like Jack of Jack of the Lakes. Um, very sweet. Very sweet. I even he was like, wait, you still have they, that? Yeah, you still have it because when they find out that Jack of the Lakes is the Kelpie that like kind of outed her, um, that she couldn't, she was conspiring against Oak. Oak was more shocked that she still had not only that she, but he was kind of because he's kind of they've kind of both admitted that they're on edge with each other and like just the trust each of them has towards the other. But he was more shocked that she had just one, you know, because they had three total in the flashbacks, but she had one of them still. And he was just, she's been holding on to it this whole time. And I really do like that Oak was like, I'm going to get you out of here. Let's go to my room. It's such a child, like, they're children, right? It really does illustrate that they are kids. It's like, let's go hang out in my room. I'll hide you here. And like, he's like mean to his mom. He's like, I don't have to listen to you, Oriana. Get out of my room. Very cute. And and then they drag Ren out three days later in chains. Uh, and I, th- no, they see, they see each other one more time after that. Yeah. Um, but like, that's so sad. I can picture that happening. Uh, because we are very familiar with Elfheim and the palace and all, you know, everything that's happening there. There was a line here that Hyacinth says that I thought was kind of a burn. Did you, did you pick up on it? Hyacinth says, Prince, do you have anything to yourself? Or all you have are like girls cast offs. I was like, ooh. Ah, that's mean, but also like, <laughs> what are you talking shit for, Birdman? Like, you tried to kill the king and were not successful. That's why you're in the bridal. Um, shut up, sit down. Yeah, he's very ballsy for someone who's yeah. who like. And the bride. Let's not forget the bridal isn't just something that is just a horse bridal that's on. It ingrained over time. It'll ingrain itself into the skin and embed it into you where I understand that you won't even be able to talk at some point because of the pain. Yes. Correct? It might. Okay. So, like, he's getting really comfortable. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) sir, sir. Um, But then Ren says, like, I want to go get my stuff. So she goes and gets all of her stuff. And then she finds a note from Bogdana that says, like, you cannot outrun fate. So, you know, we're just, like, moving things along a little bit. Uh, but then they are attacked by the stick creatures, which, like, I I need to see them. I need to see them because, like, they sound a little silly to me, but I'm sure when I see them in fan art, I'll be like, mm, that's fucking terrifying. So that's the thing, because right now, I mean, granted, I know that they're more I, I need to see the fan art, because when I think of stick creatures, I immediately think of, oh, God, I'm going to date myself. Like, remember the Blair Witch sticks? Like, it's just literally just a stick figure with sticks. That's what comes to mind. So, but do you also remember in Fantasia, um, they have the the brooms, yeah. the animated brooms. It's yeah. kind of like a combination where I'm imagining the Blair Witch sticks being animated. So it has to, I mean, especially that Holly Black's because they have human arms, you know, yeah. they have human parts. That That's but a like, very good analogy. analogy? So, like, I think with... 
Thank you. Um, but I think with like Holly Black, like you said, it is a very scary, traditional, like how Faye can be traditionally. Because how many times when we started reading um, fantasy together, where I would be like, I want fairy wine. I want to go to a revel. I wanted this. And you go, no, 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 no. Traditional fairy. That is terrifying. You do not want to do those things. And I'm like, but it sounds like so much fun. <laughs> no, no, not not in this situation. Although uh, for Oak, and for Ren, who are full-blooded fae, uh, none of those like rules about the food or anything applied to right. them. So that is very fun and something that we that is taken away from us that we do not have to worry about, that we had to worry about all the time with Jude. So I did find that fun. Uh, but uh, what, what happens here? Uh, the oak is hit. Oak is hit and he is poisoned. This is the first time that oak is poisoned within like this quest. And um, well, damn. Well, was it kind of like a one horse trope, would you say? Because they were on the horse yeah. together. And then even Ren says, like, I love that she wasn't concerned about him. I kind of love it. She goes, oh, damn, that could have been me. Like, <laughs> oh, I w- he was wearing armor and shit, too. Like, yeah, damn. Like, like, and he must have just, like, gotten a tip of the poison. Must have been in him. And how she didn't even recognize. And Tiernan's like, what the fuck is happening? And she didn't even recognize. Yeah, she just thought, she, he was, like, leaning against her. But he didn't. she didn't pick up that he actually passed out. I don't know. I found that so funny. She was, she, but you know what? I do. It's in line with her character because she has. I don't want to say she's been exiled. But she's kind of been in survivor mode for so long that it makes absolute sense why she wasn't like oh my gosh poor oak she was like oh my god that could have been me yeah because that's how she has been conditioned since for the almost 10 years now yep survival first yes yeah. yes 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 uh we get that fun kind of funny scene uh at the the hotel right just kind of um with uh tiernan tiernan and Ren going and like glamoring themselves and be like, we want these rooms, like all this stuff with all the money and everything. We're totally normal. We're totally normal people. <laughs> uh, but, but we do get Hyacinth trying to like sow a little discord here because he's like, Hey, 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 uh, you know, I, I think, I think, I think that Tiernan is under, under, uh, Oak's thrall. I think he's oh, under right. a spell, right? And Ren is like, what the fuck you on about? He's like, Oh, you didn't know that? You didn't, you didn't know that about Oak? Oh, oh shit. I didn't say that. He's this charmer that he has this, that, yeah, he's just, he, you know, he's a deceiver. He's been trained in the art of courtier, like all this stuff. (sighs) It's like, okay, okay, Hyacinth, who you have your boyfriend call him Sin. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, (laughs) we get our Kelpie. We get Kelpie, Jack of the Lakes. Uh, I like Kelpies just because I like the Black Witch and I like the Kelpies in there. So they come over here and they're the same Kelpies. Very fun. Um, and then they finally, our little, our little group, our little quest group gets to the Court of Moths. Very fun. Uh, we have troll guards. We have a revel. We have very courteous. We'll take your prisoners to the dungeon. No problem. No problem. We'll take that away from you. Uh, oh, you, you need, you need a seamstress. No problem. Are you hungry? You want to sleep? No problem. That's fine. That's fine. You are all welcome here. And Oak and Ren are like, the f- what? What? What are we I like about? that they're, I like that they're on guard though, because they're like, mm, 
this is sus. Like we, yeah. this, this, this is, our, you know, it, it's like when people say they're growing up and they finally have teenagers and the teenagers try to do something like, no, I'm on to you. I, I started that shit. I know exactly. That's what this feels like. This yeah. Part. Go, mm, I'm on to you. We do this shit in Elfheim all the time. Yeah. It's like, mm, you can't, you can't uh, <laughs> bullshit a bullshitter, right? And Oak is just like, I'm on to all of this. <laughs> do you not? Like, that's how I feel like that happens a lot with uh, Oak where he goes, do you not know who my sisters are? Right? Do you not know who my father is? Do you not know who my brother-in-law is? Do you not know who raised me? Like, let's let's get let's get real. <laughs> but he has, and we learned that Oak has like carefully cultivated that identity uh so that he can be uh I think the the phrase they use is like the the ship that the rocks break against so yeah. that he protects his family and that his family doesn't know that he does that. Yeah. Uh, so that that is like kind of a whole thing. Is it Tiernan who says I mean once it I guess Tiernan and Ren are having a one-on-one regarding that specifically and Ren says like well when did you pick up on it because Ren picked up on it right away this meet that they've had since not seeing Oak for almost eight years or something and he goes i picked up on it but god it'd be so much easier if the rest of the people like picked up their shit like this this is like getting exhausted yes yes uh queen annette queen annette is there queen annette is pregnant and she does give the symbol to oak for safe passage because uh the party oak at all have to go to the thistle witch and the thistle witch will help them discover what is lost with her divining rod so that they can continue on to the court of teeth and do what they need to do um i love this first of all i love this interaction with the seamstress simply because i like seamstress seamstress's scenes but i also like that the seamstress says you want destruction and ruin that's what you want i can see it all over your goddamn face <laughs> i love it and um she's like you know see if the prince of or see if the prince of day you know likes your dress queen of night it's like ooh, okay that's something <gasps> <laughs> is, wait, is that when she when she was like, "Oh, let's see if if he's gonna find you as becoming as or as taken as you are with yourself?" Yeah, because yeah. okay, because Ren is looking at herself in the mirror. She's like, "Oh, like, I look mm, cute." Yeah, look at me. yeah. Okay. <laughs> she's all about it. And one of my favorite, and it's not even like I guess it kind of is a flashback. Well, one of my favorite scenes with Ren is when she is remembering this sundress, right? This sundress that she has. That really like kind of pulled at my heartstrings a little bit. She's like, it was the most beautiful thing that I saw. I like stole it and I looked at myself in every single mirror and I like twirled around and, you know, it was so beautiful. And now it looks like a rag. And I wish Oak could have seen me in it when it was beautiful because I felt beautiful. And I was just like, oh, Ren, that's a really nice, like little nice moment for you, sort of, uh, that didn't necessarily need to be in the book, really, but is a, I think, a really beautiful little character moment for her. Well, I think it's beautiful also because it shows that um, it's just like it, it's another I don't want to say like sh- it's a show not tell in a way that you can be have this hard exterior and survival mode. But that doesn't mean that there's softer moments going on on the inside you know we all put our walls up and some have higher walls and thicker walls than others but it doesn't lessen who you are internally either and i think a really really great moment that illustrates that too because we're looking at oak and how he has grown up is that when oak offers to do ren's hair 
And he's like so good at it. He's like, I had three older sisters. Like, of course I know how to do hair. And then, and then he extends it to say like, and then, you know, my mom really needed help. Like when we left and like, we're like out of fairy, she really needed help doing her hair too. So I helped and learned how to do that. And I was just like, Oak, that is really sweet. I think I love how there's so much crossover between he has. I feel like he was very much split between the two because he's 17 now. He's back in fairy, but he and he acknowledges that Vivian, her girlfriend, um, right? He goes, kids were raising a kid like that was not fair. But then there's the crossover because I guess now that I'm saying it out loud, because uh, Jude allowed. Oriana to kind of flip back and forth between the two. So I guess that's where Oriana, like the back and forth of it. And Maddox was like exiled completely. So, but I, I assume, but she just didn't want um, Oak back in Elfheim for his protection until like things settled and there's a little bit less turmoil going on. Oak defends Maddox here, right? So with his whole chest and it is such like a, I don't know, I, I really felt it because he defends Maddox and he says, like, no one is going to come for him. It has to be me. Like, Jude can't do it. The people will see it as bad politics. Cardin can't do it. There's nobody else. It has to be me. And he has this, like, deep obligation to go do it. He's like, no, that's my dad. Like, and that, like, deep trauma for him, too, because, like, it, it's more than it because it's not his biological dad. Obviously, we know this. That was Dane. Uh but it's the person that raised him that he really identifies with. And I, I feel that when they are, Oak and Maddox are in the dungeons and they have those interactions where he's just like, you know, don't listen to him. What are you doing? Like, like what really dad? Like, come on. That kind of like frustrated, like, like love um, read really true to me. So Oak here defending Maddox, but also like wanting, wanting to help and like having that obligation put on him. I also really felt for him here. It's the obligation that he also put on himself. Yeah. Though, too. Yeah. A because nobody's, because nobody's asked because then again, full circle at the end, he goes, if you just, if you just let things lay down and you just didn't try so hard to like, just, if you just accepted you're and if you accepted accountability for your own actions, we wouldn't be here. And it's mm-hmm. that, like you said, it's the frustrated love because he's like, he's like, you're putting me in a hard place because I love you. I'm also the only person who can do this. And do you not hear yourself talk? Do you not hear the words coming out of your mouth? Yes, like you sound. Uh, uh, okay, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> um, they we have we have a sweet little chase kiss between Ren and Oak. It is so sweet. I the love it. Yes, the first one. Yes, the first one. Yeah. So sweet. Love it so much. Uh, and then we have Ren going to free the prisoners. And in this prison situation, we have riddles. We have Jack becoming a diversion uh, for the fox. And then we have. All sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. Uh, we have Gwen, the musician. We have the undersea spy, the marrow, who tells us what he tells us. But, 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 Jess, you have something to say about this. About, oh, the riddle part. Okay. Aside from the fact that I got none of the riddles because I don't get riddles. Um, it's very interesting that because I noticed it in my second read. So my initial read, I did it solely for, solely via, audiobook 
and it's going between it's the riddle specifically about it's either the candle or the flame candle or fire is the answer but they talk about a drought it's but okay let me preface this saying in the audio she says there's a draft so i'm listening to it i'm thinking about a draft i'm thinking about you know a draft in a breezeway like some sort of wind element my second time I read this, I read the audio with the physical copy in my hand, just again, so I can have a better grasp at the story and everything. And I noticed that during that, during the audio says draft and the book says drought. So whoever the entity is that is in charge of the quality control between print and ebook and audio and library akafe just wants to talk to you we just want to talk because that is a big difference that is yes two mm. different words and two different elements yes i mean and i mean and on top of all of that i mean this is something this is just like a critique that we've noticed because of the different ways that we consume the books that we read um when I was listening to the audio, it would say chapter six. Well, like it, on the screen, it would say chapter six. The audio didn't say it, but like on, if I'm looking at Audible, it'll say chapter six. But I would be holding chapter three in my hand. So I don't know where that alignment is, like where that, how that's broken up. Maybe that's just like a tech thing. I don't know. We just want to talk. <laughs> just want to talk. Uh, Okay, the prisoners, the prisoner, the prisoner situation. Uh, Gwen and her boyfriend, they get Gwen out. Um, right? Like, we get, we, everybody gets out. Everybody gets out of jail. Ren does like a big betrayal here. She's betraying everybody. And she also ends the curse on Hyacinth because she is, uh, an unmaking. Yeah, she, un she frees him. He kind of pledges loyalty to her in some capacity. Then, uh, she freed Gwen, just to free, who's the human, just to free her. And it's just kind of unheard of. And Oak even says, what do you mean you're doing something without asking for something in return? That's not the way of fairy. And so um, at one point she goes, oh, yeah, I, I, give me your phone. And everyone's like, not a year of her life. Not, uh, I don't know. Like she, Because that wasn't her concern. She's like, I guess I'll take your phone just to try to. I don't know, save face. Yeah, yeah. And, and she uses it to like kind of hatch that plan because she sends Hyacinth north and then she's like, okay, he's going to get your boyfriend out. He's going to get the marrow out and he's going to get you out. Give me the phone and then you text your phone. So you text me to make sure that like you're good. I just want to know that you're good. And so uh, Gwen does do that. She's like, text me back. I want to make sure that like you were real. And like my boyfriend's out. Here's a picture of us. Uh, like very, <laughs> very so cute. Because even think Ren's like, I think she likes me just like as a person. I think we'd be friends, which friends are so hard to friends make. Friends are I so hard to make. Right. Uh, so it's very fun. And then of course, like all the riddles. But the morrow, the morrow says, the morrow says some stuff. This is stuff that I'm sure will be important in later books. He says that uh, war is coming. There's blood in the water and that um, Orla is weakening. Nikasia is also weak. And Kier Kieran Cronin, I think, is coming. So that is what's happening in the undersea. So plot, plot, plot in the undersea. We don't know what any of that means. That's one of those things we don't know. 
not going to you can't really speculate because it's literally on paper. Yeah. There's nothing to speculate. War is coming. War is coming. Underwater, yep. undersea is going to go to war. We'll f- I mean, who knows what will happen in the next book, but that'll definitely be something reoccurring. Uh, absolutely. And later on, we even find out that Nikasia is rumored to start like a competition for like her, her like hand in marriage or whatever. So like that might be happening under the seas too. But what is happening though is a duel. And in the duel, we learn that Oak does not know how to fight for show. He only knows how to kill people and things. And he fucking kills that ogre and everybody's surprised about it. Everybody's like, oh my God. Everybody's surprised about it because uh, Ren said the night before, said, you know, previously, like the night before or something, oh, everybody must have caught Wen. What a poor fighter he is. So that's why they they chose that as some sort of like, oh, you can do this or you can do a duel. And now we know Oak is just putting on like a performance for everybody. Oh, I'm really bad. I don't know how to do it. And then he dupes everybody, kills the way we know Matic kills. Because think about it, it's just such a f- throwback also, if you think about it, to um, Queen of Nothing, where he goes after Jude. He doesn't hold back at the fact that she's his daughter. He goes hard. And Jude is the only one who learns some sort of self-control. But really, she goes to kill too. And she's given him a lot of grace, especially at the end of Queen of Nothing, when she's only exiling people and not, like, unaliving them. Yes, because she was well within her rights to do that. Uh, So what happens here... Uh, so we're dueling, we're dueling because Ren got caught, right? And they're like, oh my god, Ren, the betrayal, the betrayal. But Ren's like, fuck y'all. And there, there's the duel. There's also a riddle, right? Because it's like, okay, Ren, like, Oak got off because he killed the ogre or whatever. But like, you gotta fix this riddle. And the riddle's difficult. And Ren's like, mm, I got the riddle. You have to behead me. I'm out of here. Um, so then they make it to the Marsh of the Thistle Witch where we get all of this plot. But before that, we have a, the flashback of um, Soren being age 14 and Oak being 13. And this is when Oak is just like really fed up with everyone trying to kill him. And he just wants to run away in the forest. And um, Ren says, like, you can stay the night. But then by the time she wakes up, like, he's gone. Like, I and this this particular flashback is when he's kind of just kind of like word vomiting everything to Ren. He's like, oh, everybody's coming after me. This is such a headache. I just want to run away. Things, you know, and he's like kind of angsty. And I get that, too. It's like things will be so much easier without me around. Like they'll see that they probably see it now. And She's the only one who could relate to him. And he's like, you, you ran away. You're, you're kind of living it up ish. Like, how did you do it? I want to learn from you. And she's like, look, oh, like you're sweet boy. Go home because you know what's going to happen. They're going to make you promise to never do that again. And you're fairy. So you can't break your promise and you're responsible. You can't, you can't do that, but stay the night. We'll chill. And he left the next morning. Like I felt really bad for her. Well, even though it wasn't like a, a what it was a one night thing, but it was super platonic and just, I don't know. I felt, you know, Ren is just looking from some sort of camaraderie and 
interpersonal relationship from anybody. And she's, you know, and that's how she becomes like, I guess, a little bit more feral over time until like, you know, to the point where we get to present day initially. Yes. So if we are back now, present day, in the marsh of the Thistle Witch, we have this absolutely wonderful little line that Oak says that I just absolutely loved. Well, maybe I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to be my best self, my worst self, my true self. I just love it so much. Oak, really. Of course. I feel like he's pulling on your your love for card and harsh things in this book. He is. Because by this point in the book... You know, it's like, okay, 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 you're killing people. All right, cool. Cool, 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 cool. I get it. I get it. You're like, you're like grown fairy man by now. All right. You're a little too young for me, but like, I can see it. I can <laughs> see it. 17 year old Laura. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like age appropriate Laura would be totally fine. Uh, age I am at now is like, you know, I can appreciate from a distance. I am happy for Ren is where I'm yeah. at. Uh, so. The Thistle Witch. The Thistle Witch gives us a lot of plot here. I've got the notes. Do you want me just to read it out real fast? Please do, because I just have the page numbers. Okay. You don't want to hear me read everything. Okay. So we've we've got the Thistle Witch who's telling stories over uh, rats. And, um, you know, she Oak gives gifts and she's like, meh, about them. And she looks at Ren and she's like, you are Nick's not and nothing. And then she tells us a story, right? Because... Um, they're asking about Mab's bones. And she's like, I can tell you a story. So Mab was born when the world was young and the hags all have like a convention every year about how being a hag is like cool. And Mab came to that (laughs) and is like, hey, I want to learn hag magic. And everyone was like, fuck you, except for Bogdana. And she, Bogdana, gave Mab the ability to create life. So in exchange for that, Bogdana, this is the whole plot, by the way. Bogdana <laughs> g- gave Mab her daughter to raise. That was the deal. Okay. Okay. Mab called Bogdana's daughter that she had to raise Meleth, Mother's Curse. Okay. So Mab was fine with that for a while. Like, whatever, whatever. Mab started to, you know, do her own situation with children. And she started to find a way to get rid of Meleth. So she started bragging to everybody that she found a way for Clovis to rule. So she put that out there and then she switched the kids so that Bogdana killed Meleth, who was her daughter. Okay. So when she did that, Bogdana realized what she was doing. She put an enchantment on Meleth's heart and took it out of her. Okay, took it out of her and like kind of like kept it. Okay, so then there were curses on each other. So Mab has to keep the heart close to her for magic to work or else all of Mab's magic will be unmade. Okay, and then the other curse is Mab cannot hurt any of the Greenbrier line and like, uh, or no, Bogdana cannot hurt any of the Greenbrier line. And Mab's bones, uh, you can grind into a powder, but they will, um, you know, get used up and they will all eventually unravel. That is, that is like most of half of the plot there. That part was so confusing because all of a sudden Clovis, I was like, who the hell's Clovis? Where'd this person come from? 
Like I understood. Like some of the sometimes. But that being said, when Mab was raising islands, that was I was like, oh, that's that's Carden. Yep. I see you. I see you, Carden. And yep. so that was I was like, oh. And then part of me with some of these callbacks, I'm like, am I? Was this? Did we know about Mab existing in the first? I I don't know. I haven't had a reread of Queen of Nothing, so it made me think like. Were, was I supposed to know this the whole time and I didn't put anything together? Mab, yeah, Mab, Mab is, yeah, there's like an underlying lore of Mab woven, like woven throughout there. Oh, okay. But it's not as, like, it didn't go as deep as this. No. Okay. That's where I was like, yeah. I know Queen Mab. I know we've talked, I know, not only do I know we've talked about it, like, I, I knew we, ha- I had heard the name. So I thought there was like, was I supposed to know this? I don't remember now. <laughs> no, no, you're totally, totally good. Uh, and then, and then Oak and the Thistle Witch go off, uh, to locate, you know, what was lost, what we know is the heart. And they come back and they're all like fucking shaken and they're like, yeah, it's safe. It's totally safe. It's fine. It's fine. That's when, that's when, she, like, uh, she's like, I'll tell you, but I can only tell him. Yeah. That's when they go off. And then that's when Ren and Tiernan have their like little start having like their little one-on-one yeah. stories but that was right before oh this is i thought okay so right before they go off to do their one-on-one oak and her they they're uh he's like oh, i'll give you anything you want and she goes you will give me the very first thing that i request like what you know and he goes done but it i'll never mad- be king i'll know i was like god and this is the second time and by this point in the book because we're around page like 178 179 um this is the second time that he's like blah 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 i'm never gonna be king i go foreshadowing but i sent you an emoji when i went to it i was like god you never say that in any fantasy book never say that i'll never be king. i'll totally promise that i'll yeah, never, I'll never be, king. be king and i'm not saying that it's like Cardin's gonna die but we also know from the first book that they were just gonna transition the crown like they weren't gonna before like the whole red wedding scene happened i'm assuming that's the correct reference yes um i haven't <laughs> i haven't watched game of thrones still um the whole red wedding thing and the first and the cruel prince it was just initially supposed to be a crown transfer so i'm kind of hoping that we don't have an unaliving of Cardin and it's just a transition who knows who knows but who knows? We're, i'm getting i'm getting ahead of myself i'm sorry i digress <laughs> uh, after after they come back after the thistle witch and oak come back and they both realize that ren is has is the heart of meleth um Oak tells Ren to leave. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Leave. Leave. We I don't want you here. Leave. And Ren is like, the fuck? I I can do, I can do the thing. And he was like, out. Leave. It took the second read to pick up, because, you know, fairy can't lie, that he's saying and being that aggressive because he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want that negative stuff for her. He doesn't want her to be a pawn in this whole thing. So he truly does mean, I want you gone mm-hmm. because of, like, that is not a lie. It's not like, and it's not a, in a malicious way either. Yeah, not at all. He's like, get the, get, get out of here. And she, and she doesn't. Um, so they decide they need to go to the, the ferry market. They have to get a boat. They have to get a boat. They have to get a boat. They have to go to the stone forest or whatever. Um, they have to go to Portland. So they get caught in a storm. They get separated. I say they, it's Tiernan and Ren and Oak. Um, there's like a lean-to situation built. Um, Bogdana finds Ren 
in this storm situation because she's a storm hag. And she says, like, the prince is your enemy. And then, and then Bogdana tells a story. So now we have two stories. And between these two stories, we have the whole story, which is like, <laughs> ugh. I have that as well. Do you want that? Yeah, we have, and this is, and this is going to be really the story of Ren's birth, how we get there. And if you have the physical copy of the Barnes and Noble edition, which is the one of the copies that I have, it is like around pages 200 to 202. So Laura, go ahead. Okay. Queen Nor wants a baby. Queen Nor wants a baby. Uh, King Gerald is on his third wife. Okay. Um, and he wants a child to use that child to betray the high court and Queen Nor uh, Lady Noor is like trying to take it upon herself because she knows she'll be killed if she doesn't have a baby. So she's like weaving spells and like trying to do everything and it's just not working. So obviously it's like Gerald's, you know, but that's not, you know, that's not here. No, no, no. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so they enlist the help of Bogdana, the hag, and says like, we want a baby. And she's like, bet I can do that. Yes, a baby. Follow my directions. And they go, okay. So they build a, like build a snow uh, like build a daughter like out of the snow um, and make her like very lovely and stuff. You know, there's lots of descriptions about it. And then Bogdana needs blood uh, from them because she will be their daughter. And then magic from her, which she says that she freely gives because she had like a secret. Ooh, what is that? And then uh, she <laughs> says that in this situation that um, everyone was taken with Ren because she was such a beautiful girl when she started to like flutter her eyelashes. Um, but we actually learn a little bit later on that they were kind of fucking scared of her in this moment. But Bogdana being the mother of her uh, loved her right away. Um, so Bogdana gave her life and also like put that heart in there, um, right into there. And it is because of this little story, um, that Bogdana tries to guilt Ren into like helping her, right? And being like, you know, I can only tell you so much because of like these constraints from Mab, but like can't harm the Greenbrier line, but like you, you totally can like, you know, take over. You don't need Oak. Like you have a claim to this. Like you and I, can take over and be powerful. We don't need any of these other people. And uh, Ren is like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, really? Uh, because she does not realize that um, she is Mel's heart yet. She doesn't have that full circle. She doesn't get that until like a very powerful like betrayal kind of reveal uh, later on. But all of this is sitting with us um, in the in the back of our head. This story that Bogdana gives, it is here, though, that Ren decides to steal the bridle. And this little bridle stealing bus ticket situation uh, and then going back, like the bus blowing a tire, going back to Oak and Oak being like, so I didn't tell anybody, but like, I set that up. I stole it back. And like, how do we feel about that? She knew when she didn't feel like I imagine her wearing a hoodie. So I'm imagining this bridle in the pocket of the hoodie. And then when she goes to feel for it, she's like, fuck, it's not there. And she clicked. It clicked for her because he was showing her the magic trick that the roach taught him. And you know that that like in my head, the second time that I read that, I go, that's when it happened. When he's doing the sleight of hand, like human magic, like, ooh, look at this. And she was just like, oh my gosh, this is so fascinating because like they have regular magic all the time. Like that's nothing to 
him. But that's the moment where I imagine like he was distracting her with the quarter behind her ear and taking the bridle out of her hoodie pocket in another. And she's so mad about it, which like I understand. But yeah, she's, she's like, well, like mad at herself. Fuck you. Yeah. She's not mad at him for doing it. She's mad at herself for like not not being more receptive, uh, like perceptive to it. And he is like. Uh, yeah, no, I totally did that. I totally did that. And, um, I hate to lose games. So, fair. You, you know what? Yeah, like, totally fair. But it's He's like, also, I love games. Yeah. Same. Hate losing. Ooh, same. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like, Oak is a fairy. Oak is a little bit scary. And there are these little reminders here, like, that he's an excellent swordsman, that he can deceive, that he can keep secrets, and that he can steal and like do all of these things. Um, because he has sprinkled in like the bomb and the roach taught him. Like he was in the court of of the the spies. Court of shadows. The court of shadows. I was gonna say nightmares, and that's wrong. Uh, I was I was in the court of shadows. Like he was a spy. He was trained just like Jude. Like his his uh, bodyguard is a spy. Like they are all. Skill level. Which I love. And I love that he even, she, and even when Ren comes to find this out and she says, like, wait, y'all are spies? He goes, let's not forget who my sister is. She was a spy herself in the same exact court. She has a high, like, respect for people in this court of shadows. And I love it. I love the, 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 just the constant references to the baddie that Jude still is. Absolutely, because she is absolutely a baddie and will still be, still be, still be. Uh, we have another call to the family where she warns, where Ren warns her family about it, um, about Bogdana and like kind of the situation coming for them and says like salt and rowan berries. And she talks to her mom and her sister and she, and, and her mom is like, I think about you. I have worried about you. I wanted to know if you were warm and like fed. And Ren is just like, she, you know, and I, I, I get it because Ren is still in survival mode. I think she's, I, I feel like a couple times she's called just to hear their voice, but hung up. And Bex, her sister, has always known. And then she's like, Mom, she's calling. She's on the phone. They just want to hear the, her talk. I, I think there's, again, a lot of trauma, a lot of like things that, that Ren has to deal with if she gets that opportunity to because she's this is still her family that she loves and like you said is connected to her humanity and just because Ren isn't living with them that doesn't mean that they stopped thinking of her as their daughter and she goes like are you are you okay and Ren says I'm surviving and her mom's like that's not what I asked that's not okay and I don't think like she doesn't know how to process that because she called them her mother and father then she was brought to the court of teeth um and they threatened and i say they um lady nor and lord gerald said like stop calling them that so she that's where the terminology of like unmother and unfather because she had to condition herself to separate her lives like i just feel like you're just constantly again and i understand that we're also a lot into um ren's pov but you can't help but feel like that that um, you know you feel bad for her and to just understand where she's coming from too which makes this hairpin that she gets at the market like so sweet because like she's like oh i really do like it and it's like a very special thing that he buys for her 
I, I really, I really enjoyed that. Well, and then that they, the troll, trolls or, or whoever they were making the, the barter with for the boat, they were like, Oh, we want the hairpin too. And then as they're running away to get their boat, because they've already shook on it, which I do mm-hmm. appreciate where, where Oak is like, no, 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 we shook on it. You're not going to get any more of what I want. Understanding how the market works and fairy. Um, he still just grabs the pin as they dive into the water because he knew that that was like the one thing that she really, truly appreciated. We love a king, right? Like, <laughs> so, and at the market, they also get the reliquy that they put the deer heart in and it is enchanted and it was commissioned, um, by Oak and they are just there to pick it up. And then they get the boat and they are on the way to the citadel and they meet the mermaid there. She's just thrown in there for a little bit of plot. Uh, but then we finally, we're finally, we're finally, we're finally at the, the place of the court of teeth with the trolls, with the trolls. And we get, oh my God, we get this. I'm just going to blow through this. Um, we get the, the troll situation where we have, they're wandering around the forest. The forest is cursed. Everything is stone. Uh, you know, uh, this is where we get the story. Um, that Oak tells about the spiders in the chest, which is, you know, payoff later. Um, but then the trolls find them, our little three hunting party. Um, uh, the trolls find them and take them to a village. And in that village, they are eventually poisoned with blusher mushroom at the end that Oak just takes all of it. But we have three stories here about the troll kings. Um, very quickly, the first one is brothers in love with a goat herd and they wrestled until, um, you know, they couldn't. The second is that they were enemy kings and they did a contest and they tried to beat each other, but then they turned to stone and nobody beat each other. And the third was that they were lovers and they ended up hating each other. That's going to be important because they're stuck in stone on the island. I think it's an island on the island. Uh, one of um, They found one of them and the other one's deeper in there. So this is going to be important. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Like, it's not there for no reason. Yeah, it's 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 going to be important. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, the I'm po- slicing? No. Because that was my favorite. Oh, no. I didn't even. I didn't even. No. Uh, <laughs> I am poison. I poison everything I touch. Oak. Oak. Or oak. Oak. Our sweet emo. boy. Or like, he's so emo. You can't boy. tell me that oak. his emo brother-in-law didn't rub off on him at some point. Oh, for real. They share eyeliner. Uh, the <laughs> oak... Oak doing that, though, just kind of because he's unconscious. He's on blusher mushroom. He's like strapped to a sled. They're taking him to the Citadel. We're at the end of the book here. Um, he doesn't he doesn't know what he's saying. He's like, Judy, you can't just let him die. Like all of this stuff um, that he's saying, it just really gives us a glimpse that he is so, so not OK. And I just I'm really starting to feel for him. Really oh, I just him. had a flashback to Will. Right. You know, when he's no, old. no, no, I don't. No, we're not. We're not. No. Hi, it's Laura Marie just popping in here to say that, yes, I did shut down Jessica for talking about Shadowhunters and Will Herondale. We are running really long on this episode, but I am taking this opportunity to just pop in and say that the stolen air reminded me so much of House of Hollow that it was kind of uncanny. And I didn't want to say this in the actual pod recording because Jessica Marie has not read House of Hollow yet, and I did not want to give her any sort of any context about anything. Okay, that's all I had to say. Thanks for listening. 
They change into servants' clothes. Tiernan stays with the heart. So from here on out is the end of the book in uh, the Citadel. Okay. Okay. They go to Lady Nor's bedroom, whatever. There's, they're caught, whatever. Uh, they end up seeing Lady Nor. Uh, but there is a vow that is made here. And the vow is, don't leave me behind. And Ren says it to Oak. And, and um, Oak says, like, I won't leave you behind. Like, it's, it's, it's like kind of a vow that is made there. Um, and it, it, it's important. It's important, I think, at the end. Um, but then we meet Lady Nor. Lady Nor. She's got her necklace of her husband's hands. They kind of move. Cool, I guess. Um, and Oak says... That's one way to get a hand necklace. I know, right? <laughs> right? Right? It does move. This is why people. This is why <laughs> Um, But then Oak, Oak makes a declaration. Like, yeah, bitch, I have the heart. I have it. I have the heart. And he cannot lie. So everyone was like, where? Sir? Where? Uh, and then they have to kind of like bargain for it. But Lady Nora like pushes a petal into Ren's mouth to control her because Lady Nora knows that as soon as Ren can talk and Ren has been bound her mouth, as soon as Ren can talk, she will control Lady Nora through the um, oath that was given at the end of the Queen of Nothing. So the petal is there. So Ren is basically powerless here. She cannot speak. And, and, to go steps further, they <laughs> cut off her tongue. They cut it off, which I give credit to Holly Black because she does do the damn thing. And I was not expecting them to actually take the tongue. Yeah. And they do take the tongue. I reread that part because I go, wait, did that did that really happen? I feel like that happens a lot whenever we're doing fantasy, especially when we're reading an audio. Because you take a moment and feel like, wait, they, they did the thing. Did they really just do the thing? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and they really, really did do the thing. Uh, but then we get everybody in the dungeons, and then we have Maddox. Hey, Maddox. Maddox, what's up? Uh, Maddox is shivering. He's been there for a while. Um, uh, uh, like, Maddox, really? I don't even feel bad. Do you feel bad for Maddox? No, he did it to himself. No. Yeah, no. okay. No, okay. I'm just, like, <laughs> mad and frustrated that Oak has to go get him. Yeah. Uh, but this is where we have the, like, you know, monsters have teeth like mine. Um, Maddox says, like, you know, I could have taken the cit- Citadel. I could have done it. These goddamn trolls were in the way. But, like, I, I could have done it. Uh, and that's where we have the bad guy advice um, that you brought up from the beginning. Um, Hyacinth is there because he was sent there. And, you know, from earlier on, he gives the key to Ren. And this is this is where everything starts to go fast, fast, fast. So as soon as Ren has the key... Delivered to her from Hyacinth in the prison. She gets out and leaves the key there for Ren and Maddox when they wake up. And then she goes to the throne room. You mean Oak and Maddox? Yeah, sorry. And then Ren goes to the throne room and finds the bone, like a little bone shard. The Mab bone. Yeah, the Mab bone. Shoves it in her mouth, regrows her tongue, passes out. But that's when the, the like, knot of magic in her chest, like, explodes out. Um, and that's when her, like, unmaking power, like, kind of, like, takes over. Love that. Love that. She goes to Lady Nora's bedroom and she sees, yeah, and she sees Lady Nora there. And this is the thought, and it's in my notes. Uh, Ren is looking at the falcons all around Lady Nora and she's like, wow. It would be kind of nice to never be alone. All that to say, 
don't leave me alone here, Oak. Don't leave me here. You know, all, all of this, you know, all of this kind of helps make the ending that much more like, uh, like, yes, this is obviously where it was going the whole time. Like, these are all the little, like, clues. Uh, very fun. Well, and even just like her, just her saying, like, coming back to the Citadel, she didn't, she hadn't been there for years. All the trauma that came with her being stolen from the human world that they just made it an, a miserable experience changing her tears to glass so they would scrape her face so she wouldn't stop crying like that's why he made the promise he was just like he didn't want her to be there on the rest of the he tried kicking her out of the adventure quest because he wanted to protect her and he's just feels so he's he's a protector like he might be a trickster he might be all these things but at the end of the day between protecting his family between protecting he just wants to protect others Ren takes control of, of Lady Noor. She does it. She takes control. She's on her own. She says it always had to be her. It always had to be her her doing to do this. So she starts giving orders like, go get Oak. Go get Oak. You know, let's get Maddox. Let's, let's get this prisoner exchange. Let's get all this working. We got to get the fuck out of here. So the plan, Maddox's plan, which uh, I guess... Oak didn't know all the way because he says like, I didn't know. I didn't know he was going to be like this. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I think it's really interesting that you brought up the point earlier where we had to remember that Jude was mortal. So there were certain factors that we were like, like the food and the poison. Like, this is the other part that you don't factor in. Like, every or if you remember, they're all fae. They're all fairy. None of them can lie. So even Ren brings up that point with Lady Noor where she goes, in her twisted mind, she can't, like, she can't lie. So in her twisted mind, she truly believes Everything that's coming out of her mouth is truth. She thinks that this is what is best for me in some weird capacity. Like that, I feel like we have to remember too. Like everything that they're saying is truthful this entire time. Yes. And the truth is that. Okay, let me see. Maddox knew that he was going to get kidnapped. Maddox knew because Nor, Lady Nor, wanted the heart and she knew that it wasn't in the castle. Okay. And so she kidnapped Maddox to make everybody look for the heart because that was her condition. I'm taking Maddox. I will give him back to you if you give me the heart. Okay. And Hyacinth found out about that. Hyacinth was captured by Tiernan. Tiernan told Oak. That is how all of that happened. Okay. So Maddox was like, all right, I'm going to get kidnapped. He lets it happen because in his head, he's going to recruit all of the Falcon soldiers back to him. He's going to retake the Citadel and that is going to earn him a chance to get back into the good graces of Elfheim. That's all he wants, right? That was his plan, but he didn't plan on the trolls being there and he didn't plan on like the bones and like the all of that stuff. He didn't plan on any of that. So that that is the story there. Then... Then there is a prisoner exchange going on with the heart and everybody. Very fun. Uh, Lady Noor, you know, kind of wiggles her way out of her control, gets the trolls to shoot Ren. That unlocks her memories of Ren being the real mother and use the ancient heart to animate her. And only Meleth can end the curse on Bogdana. Okay, so then Ren is Meleth, Mother's Curse. That's where that comes from. <laughs> and um, 
when all of this is kind of like situated out and everything is out in the open here and Ren unmakes Lady Noor like that. She and but like it wasn't even intentional. Yeah. She all Ren says, she goes, I just thought it. I I, I didn't mean to. I didn't realize that all this whoa, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> My bad. Didn't know I could do that. Um, <laughs> and then she she says that, you know, I will break the troll's curse. And then if I do that, I demand that you follow me. And then Matic and Tyrion and the Falcons, all of you can go, except Oak. Fuck you. <laughs> Bridal on you, my man. I said, Bridal's Oak in Dungeon. Ren visits in the shadows like when they were kids and she served him tea. And she likes hearing him scream her name. And that is the end of the book. And he says, uh, I won't leave here without you. That's what he says to her. And that, and she says, you know, as we pointed out, like I, it would be nice to never be alone. So there's there's more here. We know there's more here, but that's the end of the book. Uh, first time, duh, very bland. Second time, okay. Third time, all in. So very excited. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I've just known that with my pattern with reading Holly Black that I usually need a second reread um, to really enjoy it. This The first one, it was just like, wait, especially because the last part, you're going, what just happened? Like this, it was like one of those... Um, you know, when authors put everything in, because it was a whole lead up. It was a quest book. It was an adventure. So then you've got the last 30 minutes where you're like, what the hell is happening? Um, but in a good way, because it really does set us up with um, the next book. We know that there's going to be another book. Um, I what it, would you, Are you excited? Or did you love the Easter eggs? What was your favorite part? My favorite part was... Learning about Oak, honestly, learning about Oak, realizing that he's not like a fop, right? He's actually like a, like a nuanced, broken character with like deep daddy issues and watching him grow up and how Elfheim shaped him in a way that is very similar, but also different than Jude and similar and different than Taryn. Uh, so I, I like, I liked that a lot. The Easter eggs were very fun, but on my second reread, I didn't need them. Because okay. I was, I knew where the story was, and I was, I was invested in the story. Uh, but I am excited for the payoff because there'll there'll be payoff of those Easter eggs, all those little gossips, and all that stuff. So I'm excited for when the band gets back together. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Not that I didn't love this book. Like, it was really fun. It was really, it was just, you had to switch. I think that seems to be the general conversation that people are also having is just like having to pivot you know, the point of view, where the story is going, because we've had Elfheim for four, you know, 3.5 books, if we want to include the novella, um, for so long that it's just like, oh, yes, crumbs more. Give me and, and how it's going to go, because we do know that and every writer is different. We also know that Holly Black and Cassandra Clare are best friends. So for all, you know, maybe there was some insight to say like, hey, look, like, look, I've written over 20 something Shadowhunter books and bitches love Easter eggs. So we're bitches. <laughs> we're bitches. We love Easter eggs. So maybe that like, because it didn't feel like it overshadowed the book either, because I, I, you're also getting these Easter eggs, not from Oak's perspective, but from an outsider who's not part of the 
the Elfheim court. You're hearing, you know, people, I mean, what was one of the lines? They were like, oh, your sister, your sister's going to come here. Uh, your sister can do whatever she wants. And Oak's like, she's going to want to wear your skull as a hat. Like, I love that she's still intimidating people years later. Like, people do not fuck around with her. Um, and also when, uh, they're, they're even like shading, Cardin, somebody goes, it pleases me to see it, but like in compliments to Oak, it pleases me to see a green buyer, green briar with some teeth. I assume, and, and Ren is even saying, I assume that the last is a dig at the high king who is well known for leaving the fighting to his wife. Like I love the little, the little Easter eggs that we're seeing in a different perspective that it's like, put some respect on Queen Jude's name. <laughs> a thousand percent. All of it makes me very excited for the next one. All in. Would recommend. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for joining us for being a part of the Folk of the Air continuing series and joining us on this journey. Feel free to follow us on Akafe Podcast on Instagram. We're also both on TikTok with Akafe Laura and also Akafe Jessica. Thanks for joining and we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.